Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Before we get started, we would like to invite you to leave a review for this podcast in iTunes. It's a brand new show, and it's really important in the launch of a new podcast to gather reviews. Will you please help us spread the word by leaving a review so that more mamas have a chance of finding this podcast when they search for one? We read every single review, and we promise to keep doing that. We love what everyone, all of you ladies, have been saying about the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast here with My Essential Birth. So thank you, everyone, for your continued support. Our reviewer of the week is Shelby1231, who says, this podcast has helped me so much. When I found out I was pregnant, it was February and COVID had hit our state hard. I felt so overwhelmed and depressed and it was making me more sad that I couldn't feel happy. I found this podcast and it has helped me find my voice with my providers. I'm a healthcare professional and it's still hard for us. I have since hired a doula and listened to the podcast every week while driving to work. It's been my saving grace. Thank you, Courtney and Stephanie. I love that so Aww. much. I Yeah, I, that one touched my heart very much. Thank you, Shelby. This is a question that you guys asked us a ton when we were like, what do you want to know about? And this is a common question. Yeah, a common question like, talk to me about when is it false labor versus the real deal? Because I feel like I'm going to have a hard time telling. So that's going to be the focus of our podcast today. Um, Which is always funny, right? Because you're like, when you're in labor, you're in labor, right? There's no like, is am I wait, you know? But I say that knowing that, like I said, I called my husband home like three times on our third birth. So, so first, we want to talk to you about the things that your body does as it begins to approach birthing time. So, in general, your cervix will begin to soften. It's going to shorten. And sometimes it can even open or dilate a little bit before labor. Your uterus is warming up, right? Your body is warming up for things. You can have some of the following that you're going to mention, or you can have none of the following until like the day of birth. There's such a wide range of normal. We try to hit that home to you guys constantly. Yes. So these things can happen right before, like right as the onset of birth is happening, or honestly, they could happen weeks before. And I think especially since cervical exams are like such a thing, and we're all curious, I get why a lot of women like to have them. What's going on down there? They're not necessary. Let me throw that in there. Um, but when you're hearing things like the doctor is telling you, you're either not like nothing's happening That's or discouraging. It, can, it feels discouraging, right? Or you're hearing things like, oh my gosh, I'm already three centimeters dilated and 10% effaced. <laughs> and you know, we like Courtney and I as doulas and, and just dealing with all of you ladies in the birth community, the truth is you can be showing no signs of going into labor and then you can go into labor that night and things are moving and progressing yep. just wonderfully. Um, I've also had a mom who was at six centimeters, six centimeters dilated, 80% of face for two weeks. 
before she went into labor. I believe it. I, you guys, I was three to four centimeters dilated with my last baby for about three weeks. And it was hard when I found that out around 37 weeks. I'm like, oh my gosh, anytime now, yeah. anytime is it going to be tonight, you know? And then to walk around like that for three <laughs> freaking weeks. What's funny is if I hadn't known that, I probably wouldn't have gotten myself so psyched up mm. and felt so frustrated when she didn't come, you yeah. know? for three weeks after that but right and then and this is back to our point of dilation doesn't tell you anything doesn't I mean, I mean as far as when you're gonna have your baby it tells you nothing it tells you how dilated your cervix is that's it <laughs> yeah it's not like a magic eight ball that's gonna then predict when your baby's gonna come so take it with a grain of salt and in fact if you're like you know what I just I don't care to know if it's not gonna tell me when my baby's gonna be here then I'm just, you can decline vaginal exams. Know that that's an option. Yeah, they're not necessary at all. Yeah, and uh, the only time that we really want to maybe get some of that information is if you're coming up against an induction date. Mm -hmm. So that's when we start talking about our Bishop score, which includes how soft your cervix is, how dilated you are, which direction it's in. Because at that point, when you're mechanically trying to get things moving, then those things become, then they matter. They matter for how much intervention you're going to have, for, mm-hmm. you know, your rate of cesarean birth. All that becomes very important at yeah, that time. Yeah, how, how well your body might respond to medical intervention for induction of birth. Exactly. All right, so some of these things that might happen um, preceding birth are losing your mucus plug, having some bloody show. Doesn't that sound lovely? <laughs> <laughs> it really is just like it sounds too. You'll go to the bathroom one day or maybe you'll, you know, and you'll happen to notice in your underwear or when you wipe, it looks like snot. Like you sneezed. Like you sneezed with a really On a dry day. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a little bit of blood mixed in. It's yeah. exactly like what it sounds. The purpose of the mucus plug, and we explained this on our Instagram live, but the purpose of the mucus plug is to kind of plug up that cervical hole so that infection, bacteria, all stays out of your uterus while you're busy growing your baby. Right. So, and this is one of those things, like this is a very common, and I'm guilty of it too. Um, when you start losing your mucus plug, you're like, oh my gosh, labor's happening. It's coming. I can, <laughs> I can tell. And the truth is, you guys, you can lose it all at once. You can lose it over the period of a couple weeks, and it doesn't. It's one of those things. It's just like dilation. It doesn't necessarily could, mean one thing or Yeah, you could lose it, and then birth starts for you. Your labor begins an hour later, or you could lose it and still have weeks to go. Right. Or so. you can never notice it at all. Yep. Like, you'll never see anything in your underwear. The doctor won't talk about the mucus plug. Like, it's just, it doesn't exist, so. But take it as a good sign. If mm-hmm. you do start to notice, your body is doing what it's supposed to do. You you lose that mucus plug as your cervix becomes softer, more pliable, starts to shorten and thin out and things like that, maybe even open a little bit. So um, when you notice that, you can initially be like, oh, that's kind of gross. But then you can be like, <laughs> yay, body. Right. You're doing it. Yeah. Uh, baby dropping is another one. I think my favorite part of that was, especially with my first, and I gained a decent amount of weight, and my baby was up high. I just felt like I couldn't breathe, like, all the time. And then I woke up one morning, and I was like, I can breathe. Yeah. (laughs) You'll be able to, whereas before, you would be really hungry, but you would start to eat and then get full really quickly Mm because you just don't have a lot of space in your stomach. When baby kind of drops and engages into the pelvis, sometimes they call it lightning, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When that 
happens, you'll be able to eat a bit more at meals. Like Steph said, you can take a deeper breath. So if you're like, I can't tell if I've dropped. Everybody says I look like I'm carrying lower, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, can you breathe a little deeper? Can you eat a little bit more? Right. But it does not mean that birth is imminent. Sorry. <laughs> it does mean you're getting closer. So that's exciting. You can also have things like loose stools. Now, I do feel like um, getting the poops does typically happen a little bit closer to birthing time. Yeah. Your body sort of naturally cleans itself out. So if you've been worried about, I'm afraid I'm going to poop during birth. First of all, hopefully we've talked about that enough that you're not worried about that. But also your body sort of has a naturally built in mechanism that kind of cleans you out a little bit before birth. Or you could ha not have the poops at all. Is this driving you crazy where we're like, you could have this or not at all. You, this could happen or not at all. So but, we're going to get into the solid like, you now yeah. you know you're in labor when. when? So hold on. Um, your breasts may also leak some colostrum. Um, that's okay. It's normal. It can happen. People have asked, well, do I save it? What do I do with it? Well, depending on how much you're getting, certainly freeze it. Um, you can totally reuse that for later. Braxton Hicks. This is a really common one. How can I tell if it's Braxton Hicks or if it's a real contraction? Um, Braxton Hicks, we kind of call them those warm-up contractions. They shouldn't be painful. They may stop you in your tracks a little bit, but it's very different than a, than a real contraction that forces you to breathe through it and you can't walk anymore. Um, Braxton Hicks come on for all different kinds of reasons. Intercourse, vacuuming, walking, breathing, okay? Existing. Existing. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, baby kicking, like all of it can create what's just like a tightening in your belly. Um, the thing about Braxton Hicks, though, is typically, not always, but 95, what, 99% of the time, um, they're not going to become longer, stronger, closer together, and they're very rarely consistent. So that is a way to be able to tell, you know. For most women, it's more like an observation, like, oh, look, my belly just got really hard and really right. tight. That's kind of cool. Um, and you may not notice them at all. I said on our Instagram Live, and it's totally true, I never once had Braxton Hicks contractions. I couldn't tell the difference between my belly's just really tight because my skin is stretched so much, right? I'm, I'm really ready to have this baby and a Braxton Hicks contraction. So if you've never noticed them, you're not feeling them, don't worry, it's okay. Yeah, and it's really common for first-time moms especially to not know exactly what, like why is my belly tight or like really realize what a Braxton Hicks is. Um, that was definitely true for myself. I didn't know what was going on. I mm -hmm. would notice some tightening here and there. But when I had my second or when I was pregnant with my second and I had had real contractions before, I was like, oh, that's a contraction. It's not a labor contraction, but that is the tightening of a contraction. Yep. Because that is what your body is doing during a contraction. Your uterus muscles are um, kind of giving a tug on your cervix. And so it feels like um, pressure. It feels like a tightening. And so that's what that is. Yep. Okay. So now the big question. How do you really know? How do you know? Is this like, this is going to end with a baby kind of a contraction? Or is this like, you know, just sit down and buckle up, sister, because you've got weeks? Yeah. So I think we need to take a moment and talk about prodromal labor, or it is not false labor. I don't like that term because every one of those contractions for my pre-labor before it was like longer, stronger, closer together, consistent was working. It was doing something and it's doing something for your body too. So pre-labor, prodromal labor, uh, what's considered or what they call false labor are they're real contractions, but, and, and they can even come really consistently for several hours, but they go away. And so these are things that are helping open and, and dilate that cervix. They're pulling, baby's getting in a good position. They're doing work 
but it's not time to have you in that full active labor to have a baby. And the frustrating part for moms who experience this is this can last for days. In fact, I've had texts as a doula Mm -hmm. where, and they usually come um, late in the evening, right? Where it's like, I'm having contractions. They're, you know, three, sometimes they can even be three, four minutes apart. They're getting a little bit intense. They're consistent. You know, what do, you know, I don't feel like it's time to go to the birthplace yet. And then by five, six in the morning, they're like, oh, they went away. This is the third night in a row that this has happened. This start and stop labor. We get it. It can be totally frustrating. Um, It's more of a mental game. Yeah. And an exhaustion game at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So I had prodromal labor with two of my babies, my last two. And the last one, I mean, for days, like almost a week. And I called my husband home several times. They were very real contractions. I was having to pause through them. I was having to breathe through them. They were very consistent. And then they would go away. And it is mentally exhausting to be like, is this it? Particularly when you're past your due date. (laughs) Yeah. So I will tell you that, um, at least from my observation, I can't say that this is true of everyone, but be warned if you've had days of kind of really consistent hard contractions, maybe through a period of time through the night and they go away in the morning or whatever, when it is the real deal for you, when it is birthing time, you're, you might go quicker than average. Um, I've seen women who they had days of exhausting stop and go labor. And then when it was the real thing, you know, oh my gosh, they came five hours later. Yeah. That's not true for everyone. It was not true for me, but it, I have <laughs> but, seen it. Same yeah. thing. And so, and that's the same with like the woman, like I was talking about earlier, that was six centimeters for two weeks. I kept thinking like, but good for her. Cause when it's time, she's done half the she's work. 60% of the way done. Right. So, and she still had, even at that, had hours of labor ahead of her. But it's so encouraging, like the body's doing yeah. the work. So. But let's talk about some troubleshooting here. Obviously, we can't get into detail. We can't, you're just listening to us. You can't necessarily see what we're talking about. But when I hear that there's stop and go labor, inconsistent labor pattern, contractions are strong but irregular or they go away, um, sometimes, this isn't always true, but oftentimes I think that there could be a positioning issue there. Mm baby is trying to navigate your pelvis you guys it's not like a straight little circle that they plop just plop on through there are a lot of twists and turns and navigating that your baby has to make all the way from the inlet the opening of the pelvis through mid pelvis and even as they're exiting the pelvis and so sometimes we can see labor start but if baby's having trouble navigating that opening that inlet of the pelvis sometimes we can see this kind of a labor pattern and so for our my essential birth students we would say You know, grab your workbook, take a look at the exercises you can do to resolve this kind of a labor pattern um, because we put together a really amazing guide within the birth course that walks you through exactly what to do um, and and see if that's going to resolve this issue. Yeah, and and for prodromal labor too, um, it can absolutely be an emotional thing, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's from prior labor experiences or future anxieties about being a mother or how the birth is going to go. All of that is very real. And so what I think is beautiful about the entire labor process is how Mother Nature allows us that time and space needed to ease into it. And in fact, as an example from my last birth, my contractions were really never closer than about six minutes apart. 
even at the end, I think they got maybe four minutes apart, which if we're, if we're talking about... That sounds lovely to me. Right? Yeah. Averages of these... I mean, they can be right on top of each other for a lot of women, and that's what some women need. But I think for myself, my body knew what I could handle. And yes, my labor was longer, but those contractions gave me enough time in between each space. And I even slept for 45 minutes with a couple... I think I had three contractions before I hit transition. And I think it was such a neat thing to watch my body allow that mental space to be on top of my labor so that I never felt like I couldn't handle the work ahead of me. I'll be honest, I'm trying not to feel a little jealous right now because I was the one it's who not had... not that it wasn't difficult. No, I'm sure no, I it wasn't. I'm like, oh gosh, you got to sleep? Oh yeah, I... no, I, yes. That's no, awesome. I know, it was a blessing, yep. Um, so I think a really great exercise then would be to maybe journal out during this time right? Is there anything that you might be afraid of? Is there anything you might be holding on to? Really just kind of spill out your heart into, um, and maybe try to attempt to work through what you might be hanging on to from an emotional perspective. In terms of practical things to do, um, Steph and I don't always condone membrane sweeps. Um, this is where it's like a really rough vaginal exam that your provider can do to kind of try to separate the, um, the amniotic sac lining from your uterine lining. And that can sometimes, it doesn't help all the time. And so that's the risk that it carries. it can irritate things. It can irritate <laughs> things. It can just make you uncomfortable. But at the same time, there's also women who have membrane sweeps done. And um, this is what, you know, after days of prodromal labor, and this kind of helps to tip them over to the edge into the being the real thing. So um, if it was one of those situations where, you know, oh, I only had one night of this, would I do it? No. But if it's like going on five days, I'm exhausted. I'm worried about being too tired for when mm -hmm. it actually is labor. It's that, an option. It's an option. It's just yep. a tool to consider. And it's a personal. It's a totally personal option. Yep. That was not something that I was interested in, but I have seen mothers use it for that exact reason, and it was the right choice for them. Right. So totally Talk to personal. Your, this is where having a provider you trust is yes. so important. Talk to them. Hear what and they And knowing have your to options. Say. Knowing your options. Right? Like knowing what the benefits and risks of those things are. Exactly. So let's give you guys now some concrete things that you can do to help determine, is this real labor or, you know, do I have some time to go? Okay. So I think one of them is once things get going, and now we're looking for a consistent labor pattern, right? Yep. If they are not stopping you in your tracks and you have to breathe, even though they're not consistent, then we're looking for consistency. If they are, then you want to go back to what Courtney said about position. And then we want to get on hands and knees and do some wiggling and some other things. But if they are not holding a consistent pattern, meaning they're not coming every six minutes, which isn't that neat. Like we have our like minutes that we use on this earth and this planet. And anyways, <laughs> labor follows this pattern. It's beautiful. So if they're not coming every six minutes apart or every 10 minutes apart, um, not sporadic, not 10 minutes, then six minutes, then four minutes, then 10. Then 20. Right. Yeah. Like every 10 or every six or whatever it is, that's one way to tell, okay, this might be the real thing. Yep. In fact, we hear a lot of women who text us and they say, hey, you know what? I, it's 
they feel like cramping. I kind of started feeling it in my back at first, but now they're wrapping around to the front and they are coming in a rhythmic pattern. Nothing I can't handle right now, but this is what I'm observing. I have seen that be the start of labor for yeah. a lot in of women. In fact, and we talked about this in the stories, and so if you guys caught that, then great, or that IGTV that we did, but that is a very common one. As a doula, when I get the text that I'm getting cramping in my lower back and it's starting to wrap around from the front to the front, that 90, 95% of the time, that's absolutely the beginning mm-hmm. of labor. And I'll tell them, well, go ahead and time those cramps because mm-hmm. they, in their mind, they're thinking traditional contraction, but I'll just mm-hmm. say time the cramping and see if it's coming in any kind of a pattern because that can be indicative of real versus false labor. Um, the other thing I also feel like we need to mention here is that if you're wondering, is this the real thing? I can't tell if if you're sort of wondering about it and the contractions aren't, there's no harm in trying to ignore it. There's no harm (laughs) in just waiting. Easier said than done. It is easier said (laughs) than done. But I will say that sometimes what can happen is we'll see labor start, right? When oxytocin is at its highest, Mm -hmm. when you're most relaxed, often when you're about to go to bed or you have been asleep. And if you pay attention to those contractions too soon, like, oh my gosh, I just had three. Like, is this it? Is this it? Even if it was going to be the real deal, sometimes your adrenaline can kick in and interfere with those other hormones. Mm -hmm. And so I guess there's no harm in just kind of waiting because you and I were both saying, um, there will come a point if it is real labor. Well, no return. There is no return. There will be no mistaking that it's the real deal. And that's probably around the time you want to head to the hospital or your birthplace anyway. So yeah. 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 We also talk about, because it does typically happen in one position, right? You're laying down, you're, you're tired for the night or whatever. You're noticing those consistent contractions. Get up. If they're keeping you up and you can't settle your mind and you're not sleeping through them, get up and do something else. And if they are the real thing, they're not going to space out. They're not going to become erotic. It'll continue. You said erotic. I think you meant erratic. Erratic. That's what I said in my head. You said erotic. Are you sure? Oh, it's okay. Maybe. (laughs) They are not erotic contractions, they will become erratic. Erratic. And that I feel like is one of your biggest indicators. Do they go away with a change of activity, right? So if you were laying down and all these contractions started coming, if you get up and you walk around, maybe go for a walk, 20 minute walk around the block or whatever, do the contractions go away? Do they space out? Do they get weaker? Or do they, at the very least, hold that same contraction pattern and intensity or perhaps even get closer together or stronger? If it's the latter, right, they're holding the contraction pattern or they're getting um, stronger, closer together, that can be a sign that it's the real thing. But change that activity, right? So if you were working around the house, go and lay down, get in the shower or bath, go eat something, change your activity and see what happens to that. Yeah. Pattern. Yeah. Eating is a good one too, because your body, you know, uses energy in different places. And so that's, that can be a good indicator. Hydrate as well. too, because dehydration oh, yes. can water cause contractions. Huge. So Absolutely. if you're getting some and you know that you haven't had enough water today, or you've been doing a lot outside, drink some water, go lay down, see what happens. The other thing that we tell our moms, particularly within the birth course is to go by 311. And that is just, it's just a tool that you can use. There are other indicators. So it's important that you understand how mom, what mom's face looks like and what her actions are like, how she's feeling. Like there's, there's 
what, what like emotions that go along with each of these places that tell you where in labor she is. Like if we're at the like, am I in labor? And she's really excited and she's like, oh, I think this is the thing. Like, I, I'm pretty sure this is it. Like that's very early labor, right? Once we're into the active labor, it's like, okay, stop talking during the contractions and I can't talk during the contractions and I'm focusing on my breath and I'm turning inward. It looks very different. So emotions are part of it. Okay, the other part, like we've talked about, is the length and consistency. So we wanna see, or we encourage moms to wait to go to their place of birth until contractions are about three minutes apart consistently, one minute long in duration. So from the start to the end of a contraction should be at least a minute. And we wanna see that pattern for an hour. Now, like in my case where they were always six minutes apart, okay, but those contractions were a minute and a half long. I was very serious. I was breathing through them. It's why it's important to grab the whole picture there. Yep. But but 311 is a very good baseline. All right, so we're gonna ask you guys now to put your knowledge of what we just talked about to the test. We're gonna give you two different scenarios. And obviously the question's gonna have to be rhetorical because we can't hear your response. But ask yourself what you would do in this situation based off the information that you have. So let's say that mom's labor has started out kind of slow and irregular, and she decides to go for a walk to speed things up. And after returning home, her contractions all of a sudden are coming every two minutes. They're even kind of painful. They're sometimes double peaking. Is it time to go to the birthplace? Is this real deal? Or is this false labor? You can hit the pause button and kind of think through your I response. Know I was picturing like the Jeopardy. <laughs> so here's what Steph and I would recommend or what we would do in this scenario. And obviously we can only talk in generalities. Your situation is going to need to be talked about with your provider or whatever. Um, but if this were us, okay, so she's had an irregular contraction pattern, goes on a walk. All of a sudden things are two minutes apart, double peaking. Is it time? And we both said, mm, nope. I would recommend a change in activity, right? So a bunch of walking got the contractions going. I would say go lay down for 15 to 20 minutes. What are your contractions doing at the end of those 15 to 20 minutes? If they're still coming every two minutes apart and they're really intense, I mean, you can't talk through them, you're having to focus, you call your birth partner over for some counter pressure. Time I would go. say it's time to go for <laughs> sure, right? But if they kind of start to space out, you know, you're laying down, 10 minutes go by, now they're three to four minutes apart, five minutes apart, they're not as intense, they're not double peaking, then it's probably time to wait still. Right. And we talk about like early labor, if you're trying to get things to go and consistent, then walking, particularly outside, is a mm -hmm. wonderful thing to do. But just like Courtney said, if that doesn't bring them on consistently from that point on, then it, it might not be time. All right. So scenario now. Number two, um, mom's been having contractions every six or seven minutes and she can't talk during them. It's just not possible. She's got to focus. And in fact, she needs her birth partner at her side, massaging her shoulders, her neck and back. And uh, what would you do in this scenario? What do you think, Steph? Just well, reminds. if it were me, yeah. Um, I'd say if they're still six to seven minutes apart, even though you need the support, I wouldn't say that's time to go yet. I'd say that's no. a good good time of active labor. I think it's great you have the support. I'd recommend things like a birth ball or getting into the shower, changing position, taking a walk. But I would wait for those to come on even stronger before heading out the door. Yeah, stronger or closer together. But it sounds like that's labor. Yeah, it sounds like it's labor. But again, change the activity, see what happens to the contraction pattern and then take it from there. And text your doula. 
Ted, so she'll help you doula. work through that. <laughs> That's right. That's the advantage. I think one of the things people don't realize about a doula is that they don't show up the minute you show up to your birthplace. They can actually labor with you at your home before mm-hmm. heading in. They can do teledoula services with you before you head in. Um, they're really there with you from the start of labor. And even if it's not the real thing, right? I've gotten They're text. happy to come and they're... happy to go home. Exactly. Yeah, but we've, we've said that before. Like a lot, of, a lot of the doula work, even before we get started, is done over the phone. Like we're mm-hmm. all day long, we're texting and we're figuring things out. And then we give a little bit of time, depending on what mom and dad want, but um, or mom and partner, we give them a little bit of time to work together and get, and then they let us know when, okay, we're when feeling ready like we're ready for more support. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a, a good part of my job as a doula though, is to educate my clients yes, and make sure that they know real deal versus false labor. All right. We hope that this episode was super helpful for you guys. I think this is a question that we get not just as birth professionals, or but privately as doulas and, and individually with moms all the time. This is the question, right? How am I going to know? Um, we hope that we've also encouraged you to understand that when it really is go time, that you'll just, you're going to know. All right, mama. So in summary, Um, remember that there is a lot that your body does to prepare for birth. It can happen right before it can happen, not at all to where you don't even notice, or it can happen weeks before birth. Remember when you do start to have contractions, try not to pay attention too soon so that we don't have adrenaline interfering with what your body's trying to do. But if it gets to a point where you just can't ignore them, then ask yourself, would a change in activity affect my contraction pattern? Do they get stronger, closer together, or do they go away? And lastly, apply that 3-1-1 rule. Are the contractions about three minutes apart, lasting a minute, or at least an hour? Use this information and we know you're gonna have a great birth. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.